equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 99. We've got consecutive victories to talk about for Spurs. It feels like the first time in a while since that I've said that, which is very, very nice. We've got the Todd father alongside enjoying a breakfast burrito per usual. It's becoming a tradition on the podcast, Todd, that you're just in your car eating a breakfast burrito while podcasting, which is kind of kind of brilliant if you ask me. Hey, you know, uh, when you get some sunrise W's out here any day, that you get to share a breakfast burrito with friends is uh, is a good fucking day, especially in the FA Cup. You guys know that I want this trophy more than I wanted to eat, take the bite of my next breakfast burrito. But, man, what a good day. It is a good day. FA Cup vibes are uh, stunning right now. Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, the FA Cup, Cup vibes are fierce right now, and they are beautiful. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I took a bite too close to being injured of my breakfast, but I'm good. I'm good. Is... We won. Never expect that anymore. So anytime we win a game, I'm always happy. I didn't notice. I probably should have noticed that and 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 introduced Caroline first, but I, I just old habits die hard. And uh, on me, man, I, uh... I got to be prepared at all times. <laughs> You know, I I had breakfast before we started recording. You guys are still enjoying breakfast. It is an early Saturday morning podcast for us here. Uh, yeah, at on a four thirty kickoff. Yeah, you get that extra hour, Coast, man. All right. Just yeah, yeah. I've I've gone to the Pacific Coasters first, and I, I I shouldn't have done that. I should have come to Caroline <laughs> first. Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefco. Kaz, what's going on? Hey guys. Uh, I'm not sure I'm much more awake than y'all are, honestly. And I wish I had a breakfast burrito. That'd probably make this more enjoyable. <laughs> I made a, uh, I went downstairs and made my, I didn't make a breakfast burrito. I made myself a ham, egg and cheese on a bagel. That was, it just hit the spot. And after a, a good victory for Spurs over Portsmouth, uh, it, it really hit the spot. Uh, let's dive into this FA Cup match that we just watched. Uh, just ended probably about an hour ago. Um, one nil to Spurs. I would say it was not a thrilling performance, but a get the job done type of performance. Todd, does that, does that sound about right to you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, 4 30 AM comes really, really early when you don't, um, have a shot on target or a shot on goal in the first half. <laughs> um, so, uh, the most of it was relatively sleepy, especially with the type of side rotation that we saw seeing, you know, Emerson Royale come back in. You've got Saar and Skip in the midfield. Um, it was definitely a rotational side that had to work into, obviously, Sessegnon come back, that had to work into some continuity. Um, but ultimately, at this stage of the, of the FA Cup competition, it's just about getting through and staying healthy. And fortunately, that's exactly what they did. It is. And you mentioned some of that rotation. Of course, um, you know, Brian Hill's still playing for for Dan Kulisewski, who's hurt. Um, Emerson Royale comes back into the side. We will, we will come on to that. Um, Sar gets a start, which I, I thought was nice. Uh, yeah. Skip Basuma he was originally... solid. Hold on re- real quick. 
Pepe, Pepe, Monta, Pepe, Pepe, however you want to call it. That guy's a fucking badass. Let me tell you what's going on right now is that is the African Young Player of the Year, and he plays for Tottenham Hotspur. There's a reason why we're holding on to that guy and why he's getting minutes. It's special. That's one. Secondly, I'd like to say that Brian Heal getting three matches in a row to actually show his wares um, lets me see exactly why we spent money on him and exactly why everybody in the Spanish Federation is praising him up one side and down the other. I think continual run of form or a continual run of games for him will continue to increase his form and improve his form. Uh, but fortunately, Andrew, when you're thinking about this particular performance, the most important part to me was we got to give everybody that needed a rest a rest. And so coming into the NLD here in about 10 days, it's going to be nice. We're seven days at this point in time. It's going to be nice. Well, they they didn't give everyone a rest. I'll push back a little bit on that because Sun and Kane still played the full 90 minutes in this game. But you're, everyone who we... needed a rest is what I said. So <laughs> I, OK, I would I would argue that both of those guys probably need a rest, especially a guy like Harry Kane, who they would his... argue against that. I know they would. And I, <laughs> and I would be I would be right in there in that scenario. They would be wrong. Um, Harry Kane, though, I will credit, he's come back from the World Cup and looked great. I mean, scored twice the other day against Crystal Palace, which we will come on to and talk about a little bit more in depth because there's a lot to come from that game as well. Um, but scored the, the the lone goal in this one as well, which I thought was big. I, I did want to touch on that midfield, though, because the Sarskip midfield for me, I won't say it made me nervous coming into this game, Caroline, but Basuma was initially supposed to start this game. Initially, they had said picked up a, a knock in warmups. Now we find out after the game that it was actually an injury he suffered against Palace. He wasn't able to to give it a full go in warmups. Um, not saying I would have felt more comfortable with Basuma in there, but when you've got uh, Hoybier that you want to give a rest to, which I thought was a good thing, you've got Bentecourt still out with an injury. You end up starting Skip and and Sar, and I thought. I didn't think Skip had the best of games in this one, but I thought the midfield as a whole still kind of looked okay against a, a, a lesser side, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a secret. I'm not Basuma's biggest fan, so I wasn't heartbroken about the late inclusion of Skip. Um, I would echo what Todd said about Sar. I thought he had a really great game and honestly was one of our better performers on the day. Skip, I think we perhaps saw a few of his uh, weaknesses in this match in terms of he, he is kind of uh, prone to late tackles and was a little bit lucky to escape without, you know, a, a more serious booking there. But I don't know. If he it's buries that finish, because he had, you know, a pretty major injury. If he buries that, that finish, though, if he buries that finish, Skippy, Oh, Does yeah. that totally change the narrative of, of how we view how he played today? I don't know about totally. Cause I, I think what I'm trying to say is that I think he's still just getting back up to speed after having that major injury and being out for so long, you know, he just hasn't had a consistent run of game time, but at the same time, you know, SAR is completely new to the side and he was able to show his quality. So I don't know. I feel like I had mixed feelings about about the midfield. And my my main thought during this game was why did I wake up early for such a, <laughs> you know, lackluster performance? But Harry Kane's goal, that quality woke me straight up. So there was that at least. I feel like when it comes to skip, 
there's still he's I feel like this is a long comeback from an injury, almost like what we've seen with Matt Doherty. I, I feel like we forget sometimes that Skip really went through it with the injuries over the last year and, and missed the tail end of last year. And there's I think there's something to be said for the fact that he's still probably not fully right in a similar way that I think we're starting to see Matt Doherty get himself get his feet back under him after almost a year. I think it was February of last year or maybe March that he went out with that injury when he was tackled by Matty Cash, and we're finally now just starting to see him come back into some real form. I feel like we're going to need to wait a little bit, little bit longer to get the full story on Oliver Skip as well, but I'm glad that he's at least getting some minutes under him. I do want to kind of have a, a larger scale talk about Brian Heal, though, because he's another one that over these last few matches with Kulisevsky being out has stepped into a role, and I think even more so than anything, and we saw it again today, he's he's performing as a guy who can be that fill in on the front line that I'm not sh- I'm not a hundred percent sure all of us knew that we had right Scott yeah I think I think Brian Hugh is very si- similar to skip in the sense and I'll touch on skip for just a second to get to your point but Brian and skip are both just dealing with not playing for different reasons um and they're both getting to play now but I think Skip Skip went down with injury right before we signed Benteker. So I think with Skip, you know, he was getting very regular minutes under Conte. It looked like a pretty staple part of the Conte approach. And then you get injured and somebody comes in who's on fire and you don't see the field for a while, right? So that happens. Um, every every minute Skip gets, I think, is going to is gonna pay off because I do think that he would have been a, in Qatar had he not gotten injured. I'm not saying he would have started for England, but I do think he has a very high ceiling and just needs to play. The same exact thing. I think every time he gets a start, he'll continue to show more class. Just needs to play. He, his link up with Kane was good. Um, it's it's evident that Kane feels comfortable playing with Brian and uh, you know wants to 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 play one twos with Brian, which is I think super important for us to find more of. Um, you know we're so with Son and Kane, especially Son, we have such a strong attack when it comes to being on the end of plays. Now Kane obviously can be very effective not on the end of plays as well, but. Son is really just a guy who you want on the end of things as opposed to creating them, right? So having somebody like Ryan who can play these one-twos with Kane I think is super effective and should open up space for Son too, which I think we saw some of today. So um, I think ultimately he he's starting to show similar qualities to Kulisevsky. And for me, having to, having a second option to Kulisevsky is probably the biggest thing that we're seeing out of Brian right now, and it's very positive. Yeah, I, I think that... Brian um, has proven his value and trustworthiness to Conte. I think more than anything else, that's what we've seen. If it weren't for the fact that Kulisevsky obviously being hurt, but like the fact that Lucas was hurt, um, I don't know that Brian sees the pitch. And so the the fact that Brian is getting minutes, he's getting minutes, uh, consistent minutes in multiple games on the bounce, like that can only be beneficial for Spurs as a whole, even when Kulisevsky comes back. And you know, everybody on the commentary team wants to stir up fucking controversy that doesn't exist. And they're like, well, I don't know who's going to be the odd man out when all these guys are healthy. It's not a fucking math problem. It's going to be Kulisevsky. It's going to be Son. It's going to be Kane. And Richarlison and Brian are going to rotate in. But how awesome would it be, realistically, to sit Kane in the fourth round of the FA Cup and give Richarlison a start? 
And if shit gets dicey, you bring Kane off the bench in 60 minutes and and watch fucking Cardiff City shit themselves or whomever. Like, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I think that the depth that we are cultivating now in this space is the type of depth that will be the difference in that, like two or three critical points at the end of the season. Caroline, do you feel like Brian Heal is – I certainly don't think he's going out on loan anymore because I do think that there is a, a trust there now with Conte that he can be a guy. But do you think he's going to kick on and eventually crack into into this starting 11 on a regular basis at any point? Or is he just a supplemental piece, it feels like, going forward, which is also not a bad thing? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing that he's, you know, a backup to Kulisevsky who is – you know, quickly becoming a world-class player. Um, And I think that Brian and Saar both really benefited from having, you know, the World Cup break to work a little more closely with Conte, um, you know, out of the spotlight of some of the more established players and even like Doherty and Skip to an extent, you know, players who had been kind of out of rotation, um, getting this opportunity to kind of get back into the squad more regularly. Um, I don't think he's going to be, as far as Brian goes, I don't think he'll be starting regularly unless Conte uh, decides to try to convert one of them into more of a central player. And, you know, I guess it is kind of concerning that a lot of our creativity and dynamic players, you know, they're out on the right flank and we just, we still don't have that creativity coming from the the central areas consistently. Um you know, with our midfield, I think Basuma was kind of supposed to be that player and it hasn't really worked out that way. Um, and I, I think Skip has a lot of attacking potential that he doesn't always get credit for. Um, but, you know, he's, he's in that weird Don't slide my right guy now. PEH, Caroline. Don't you do yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, P, but PEH needed to get off of his legs he, today, which I'm, he I'm needed glad a rest. he did. Yeah. I'm glad he, he got yeah, it. I'm so happy for that, yes. Scotty. Yeah. No, and on, on PEH, I think one of the the interesting thing about I think what Conte faced with right now is we do only get creativity from the right flank. Some of that is on the midfield to keep the focus of our ball progression more centralized. We tend to to push the ball wide, and I think that's to relieve pressure. Right? We don't have a midfield that is calm enough. Even Hoybier and Benteker, this is going to sound crazy, but could be a lot more calm and poised on the ball, right? They're, they're both looking to move the ball pretty quickly. And so the, the easiest way to do that is to push it wide to the fullbacks to relieve the obvious pressure, right? So until we get a midfield that's more willing to stay on the ball and take risks, I don't think we're going to see enough progression through the middle. So it's not all on just like finding the right player to be able to do it. The unit needs to do it too. And I, I, I will, I will second Caroline. I never was Basuma's biggest fan, still not. I'm pretty convinced that he was really good in a Brighton system, but he has not looked good to me for a shred of any second that he's played at Tottenham. He looked pretty bad at, in his recent appearances. Skip came on, we settled. So Basuma's not turning out to be the player we all thought he was, right? I think there's a reason we were able to buy him. I'll say that about anybody that's highly touted that we signed. There's a reason we were able to sign them, right? Because 
someone else didn't come in for them that would have if they were good enough, right? So all right, all right, all right, all right. No, but seriously, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on this as well because listen. Yeah, yeah, he was the he was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League for Brighton, and you can't just say that he's a system midfielder. It doesn't work that way. I I I, I don't I don't show me show me any reason to to not say that. I mean, so the so here's why the thing. He was to available to buy. There's nothing about what I'm saying that that the reason why we had the ability to buy. I agree with what you say that if somebody comes to us, it's because we there's a reason why we had the ability to yes. buy them. It had he's nothing not to do as... with his ability on the field, buddy. And you know that as well as I do. It had well, to here's, do with the timing of the conversation that we had with that guy. I, I think and it's us very signing much both. him four days before he got cleared of sexual assault charges. So let's just call it yes, what it is. And, yeah, of course. But it, it can very much be both of those things, right? Any A club like City who operates off oil yes. money will look the other direction for talent. We know that, right? So it's very much both of these things. I stand and, very firm of assuming not being as talented as we think. Yes, exactly. But we're Thank we're you, we're over here. Hold on a second. We're over here sliding all of these, yeah. you know, all everything that he's doing, and then we're over here praising guys like Basuma and Brian because they're getting a run of form in because they're getting a run of games, no. and it's like you mean, what Basuma had. Hold on, Basuma had COVID. Basuma didn't get a Conte preseason. My guy's over here trying to work in doing everything that he can. I'm not saying that his performances on the field have been good because they haven't. They've been shit. But I'm not going to go out here and say, oh, you know, he's not as good as we thought he was because he hasn't rotated into a Conte system particularly well, especially when you've got guys like PH who's having his best season in a Tottenham shirt and Rodrigo Bentancur, who is undroppable when he's healthy for this squad. Here's the other thing about about Basuma. And I think, Scott, I think I think I think you tried to make this point a minute ago, but I'm going to twist it on you. He you, you said he was better in a Brighton system. I think actually there's less of a Brighton system than there is a Tottenham system. And I think he's having to become more of a system player in a Tottenham system. And that, I think that's why he's struggling. He's trying to figure out how to play in a system. He had a lot more freedom at Brighton to roam and do creative things and show his skills. He doesn't have that freedom in Tottenham system whatsoever. Exactly. I'm just saying he was good in the system that he played in. Right. And it it was a three man midfield. Also, the point that's another big, big factor is that there was a different, the, yes, the point of this, though, is that our midfielders are not calm enough on the ball. I'm not here to, like, bash Basuma, right? I'm just saying that right now we don't have enough creativity because we push the ball wide because our midfielders want to relieve pressure too quickly. Caroline, okay, jump so in. I'm gonna, well, well, yeah, Caroline, definitely jump in on this. But I, I want to press and say, is it that they're not calm enough on the ball or is it they're constantly overrun because we're playing a two and everybody else is playing a three in the midfield? Caroline. Probably both. I, you know, and I think Basuma has eight assists in 24 matches. Around. That's all I'm saying. Or I'm sorry, uh, Perisic has 24 has uh, eight assists in 24 matches. So obviously, pushing the ball wide is working a little bit. I I think the question I just have around Basuma, you know, we're we're debating here: is he a system player or is he not? Well, Conte wants him to be a system player, it would seem. But do we feel like he is actually functioning in the system? Is he actually playing to the role that he's been assigned? Because that's that's what I don't think he's doing. I, I think there are moments where we can see that it's it's starting to get better from what it was at the start of the season, at least. I think the other really big factor here is that, and this is just my perspective on this this Conte system that we've now seen be implemented at Tottenham for eighteen months or so now. There is 
less requirement for the midfield to produce stuff going forward when things are humming because not only because the wingbacks are working, but because the wingbacks are kind of serving, especially when Kulisevsky is in there. It's not all of Kulisevsky's midfield action or rather attacking action is not coming from the wide areas. It's coming from the midfield because he, 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 he gets into those areas and yeah, he cuts in on the left foot. He almost serves as a number 10 at times when he's on the pitch. And I think that to to bring it back to this game specifically, I think we're seeing a little bit of that in Brian Heal as well as he's playing for Kulisevsky. So I don't think I don't think we need as much from those two midfielders when we're playing this three four three system going forward as much as we just need ball progression. You know, we don't need like we don't need them to be picking locks like Christian Eriksen used to do. You know, we don't need that from those mm-hmm. midfielders. You, but again, I mean, when, he was when doing, you can get that from another area on the pitch, he was doing that from a three as uh, largely as he well. Was. Like, and I think that I, I want to go back to that point because on, on the Basuma piece, because I think that you know the the system that he was playing in versus the system that we're asking him to play in, I think is extremely important. And when you don't have the extra man in the midfield, like you have to make, Scotty, you know this, you have to make that decision that much quicker. And when you're in a new system and you don't know exactly, like intuitively, what your next move is supposed to be, it takes you a little bit to get up to speed and you don't have that extra, you know, split second to make the decision in a two that you do in a three. Yeah. And again, all I said was that Basuma played much better in his past system. So we're literally just having the same conversation saying exactly what I said. He did. Right, I, just think, I, just, I just think jury's I just think out. I think Listen he, here, I, you sexy MFR, you legitimately said the words. He's not as good as we thought he was. And yeah. yes, I correct. back on you. Correct. So I if you're if you're as good as he is and I think we don't be, know you can come and play in <laughs> another fair. system. I think we you don't know because he hasn't had the time to get into this system fully. I will. I will it's say been this. half a season. He, in- he was supposed to start today in the game that was the rotated squad, and Skip was not. Skip has already put himself in front of Basuma already, right? If Basuma is the best midfielder in the Premier League, he does not get usurped by a guy who just got back from injury. Like I'm, I'm telling you. He's good, but he is not this class midfielder that the world thinks that he is. He, evident he by him being usurped. signed He's, by Tottenham. He didn't get usurped. He was hurt. He, he he picked up an injury. We just discussed this. He picked up an injury on, on Wednesday and that wasn't was able to go today. He didn't get yeah. usurped. But why was he starting? But he was starting today. Because like he was going no, to because we're t- be, Because right, he was starting because over not, skip. That he had, Exactly. No. Yes. In a rotated what? side. All right. no, come on, Scott. Come on. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm calling you out on this bullshit. No, he was starting <laughs> because he because he because he because he was starting in a game. He was going to start over Skip. Yes, you're, you're telling yes. me. You're telling me in, that means in Skip the is better. Side. Um, yes, not, in the rotated a, a, a side. rotated side with Harry Kane and Youngman's son. Come on. And we're yes. gonna. I think. I think we're gonna. Agree and Pape Matasar and Tanganga and, and Sanchez. <laughs> All right, I wanna I wanna get back to actually talking about who played in this game because we've talked way too long about Yves Basuma <laughs> and he didn't fucking play in this game. Um, uh, the wing backs in this game is is where I want to go next because I thought that despite the fact that Ryan Sessignon recorded an assist and Emerson Royale participated, I thought that the wing backs <laughs> were not good in this game, which I think exemplifies how good the midfield was because they were still able to to take control with that two-man skip star midfield. But the wingbacks is where I want to focus this on next because everyone's going to say, and everyone did say, 
And everyone will continue to say, why did Emerson Royale start over Jed Spence? Jed Spence came on in this match uh, after 77 minutes and didn't even come on for Emerson Royale. He came on for Sessegnon and Royale moved over to the left. Um, because you couldn't I, start Royale on the left. No, no, you so, couldn't. And you're trying and to rotate I, Doherty and Perisic and give them time, which I get. And I don't think Jed Spence has 65 minutes in, his, in a Conte system at this moment in time. I'm not sure he, he should have any minutes, but I know that's an unpopular opinion. We'll say <laughs> well, more about that, Caroline. Yeah, please I, do. I very much want to hear why. I, you know, I just feel we've talked half of this pod now about the importance of ball progression, and he does not do that. <laughs> does he do it more than Emerson Royale, though? Because Emerson Royale... Uh, no. He no. Has Emerson Royale with, does with all the, the things right. Emerson Royale does all the things right, except for the final, the kick in the final third is shambolic every fucking time. Yeah, I think that's fair, Todd. To be to be fair to Royale, he did have the one moment today early in the second half with a beautiful header that went, rang off the inside of the post and did not, you know, if it's, who, who knows, a, a couple centimeters to the right, it drops into the goal, uh, which would have been a brilliant finish. I will be fair in that respect, but otherwise, I just don't, every time Emerson's on the pitch, I don't see it. And I, I know I continue to, you know, this is episode 99 of this podcast, and I think I've said that for... 75 of them um i i just don't see it and honestly i know that ryan sessignon falls a little bit into the category of oliver skip with injury stuff and and still coming back from a lot of stuff but i just have not really seen a lot from from ryan sessignon on the other side either right now our our best wingback pairing without a doubt hands down is matt doherty on the right uh and parasit on the left and i just the jed spence conversation to me is i think one that it's going to continue to be had until there's no reason to have it because he's either on loan or no longer part of the plans. But I know that he was a club signing, not a Conte guy. So I guess that's part of it as well. It's just, it, it is baffling to me, the Emerson Royale of it all. And it's frustrating. I don't know. Somebody pick it up, pick up, pick up the ball from there. I'm not well, sure where else to go. I think the thing about the whole Jed Spence question is that I think there are a lot of fans, and, and not just about Jed's fans, but about young players in general, have this perception that the grass is going to be greener, you know, with this quote-unquote promising young talent who just needs a chance. And, you know, sometimes they get a chance and you realize that they're not actually at the, the level that you think they are. That's where I'm at with him. I'm not saying mm -hmm. he's a player who couldn't, play for us in the future i just don't think he's there at the moment and i think he I, needs a loan i i couldn't agree with that more i i think that Same. i think that, that us having a conversation about why is judd spence not playing what the hell conte just doesn't take into account that the fact that conte is um a professional fucking football manager like what are we talking about like we like he like we know better than that like fucking uh, Craig at the pub knows better than fucking Conte. Like, get Spence on! Shut up, dude. Let Conte do his job. He's developing well, talent. Let's be real. This kid can't play we yet. Wouldn't, let's go! Yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we weren't all so frustrated with Emerson Royale. Like, 100%. Or if Matt... That's if exactly Matt why people are begging for Matt any Doherty other solution. Yeah. No, honestly, and, and I, I agree been with... Injured, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys on this. I think 
it's the age-old tale of fans thinking they know better than a manager who's won everything, right? So we can set that aside in itself. Jed Spence, I did, I shared in the chat, you know, Neil Warnock managed him for a while right before he loaned him to Forrest, came out and said, I just don't think he's a guy that plays much. He's either going to be in the Premier League or in non-league, but either way, he's not going to play very much, right? And then he loaned him out. Now he had a good season at Middlesbrough, obviously. Sorry, Forrest, obviously. Um and I think he had a, a really good game against Arsenal that got a lot of chatter going for him, right? But ultimately, I think I am I see Spence as a perfect example of what I've been saying on the show forever, that like I'm done giving people chances. And that sounds so harsh, but I've just watched us not win for so long, and I'm just fucking done with giving people chances. So I'm sorry. I hope you play football somewhere in, the, in, in a mid-table Premier League setup, right? But... I just don't think he'll ever be the starting right wing back for Spurs. And I think he was a club signing. And I think to Andrew's brilliant point on the show a couple weeks ago, we are a club that's in dead limbo between acting like a big club and acting like a club that feeds the big clubs. And Jed Spence is a total victim of that right now. He should be at a, at a club in the middle of the league. in my opinion. I, at best. I also, I also think though, Scott, and, and I, I agree with you, but I also think that that's why we just don't know you. You're, you're saying you don't think he's ever going to make it at Spurs. I, I just think we don't know. I think he falls into the same category as but, some of these players but, who are coming back from injury. I hear what you're saying. Come good. I hear what you're saying, but if we want to be as good as we want to be, you have to have guys on your team that you know by now, if they're good enough. And we can't continue to like give yeah. people chances to prove if they're good. Well, to prove but you can give them chances. Hold, 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 hold on a second. Like I, I don't. I, my issue is not that Jed Spence needs time to develop. My issue is is that you know the two people that we have in front of him right now, one of them we trust sort of now that he's healthy again, and the other one we flatly don't. And I think it's a similar sort of situation that we were talking about with Brian previously. It's like ah, what the hell, Brian? This is you know he's too slight for the league and la da 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 da. And it's like, well, if you're expecting Brian to be anything other than what he is, you're going to be disappointed. But when you don't have Lucas Mora and Kulisevsky is hurt, and then you're looking at Brian, like you expect something of him in that moment. Like, I feel like the reason why so much clamor has been made about Jed Spence is because Doherty was hurt and Royale has been shit. And so we're like, well, what the fuck? And like the only what the fuck answer is Spence. So we're like, well, Mina has to be better than what we're looking at. So what the fuck, Conte? Spence. And that really turns the narrative in a in a a sad way for the kid himself because I don't think that it's fair to have the spotlight shine on him this brightly at the club yet. That's that is very true. Yeah, it's not a fair situation for him to be in. Um, and you know, the club put him in the situation by signing him when Conte didn't want him, which is sad. But exactly. I think the difference between Spence and Brian Hill is that you know we know that Brian's physicality is a weakness for him and something that he has to improve. The difference is that we at least can see what he's trying to do and what he can offer. Even when it doesn't always come off, I at least understand what, what purpose he's serving. And I just haven't seen that with Spence admittedly in very limited, very few appearances. I'm, I'm not here to argue that Jed Spence should be starting week in week out. But I think that in a in a third round game against Portsmouth at home, I think that's the kind of opportunity you are able to give that player and get away with it, even if it is only for sixty minutes. And then you're bringing on Emerson Royale for the final thirty. 
I think that's the rather than 15, 14 or 15 minutes at the end of the game, I think giving him the start and seeing what he can do against the uh, lower league side is is the opportunity you give him. And they didn't give it to him. And I think in the League Cup, is, yes, in the FA I, Cup, no, in my, in my opinion. And, and the only reason I'm why I say Todd. that is because my only reason why we say that is because all that matters here is the win. So it's like if we give Jed Spitz 60 minutes, but he gets fucking roasted and we give up a stupid goal to Portsmouth and don't make it out of this round or have to play a fucking replay four days before we play a, a Champions League match or whatever the hell it ends up being. Like we're going to be like, what the fuck, Conte? Like how could you got Dort or you've got Royale right there just playing? Right. So well, the, that, the and that's the end of is always going to come out. Yeah, like if Spence fucks up today and we get knocked out of the FA Cup, that's the end of Spence, right? He's fucked yeah. he, mentally and con- his his confidence is gone. And Conte is in fucking trouble. Like if we get knocked yeah. out of the FA Cup by Portsmouth. So I just think I hear you, Andrew, and I don't disagree. But, man, that's a huge role to fucking dice to start Spence and today, the, I think. And, um, and I agree, Scotty. And on the flip side of that coin now, Andrew, we're looking at two wins on the bounce. We are. And – you know, the the FA Cup fourth round draw will happen on Monday. Like I said, we're recording this on Saturday following the match. So we don't know who the next opponent is, but that those games will be played the weekend of January the 28th. So another three weeks from now. So we can focus on the FA Cup uh, when it comes back around because a win is a win kind of, kind of scenario. Um, a win is a win as well midweek because Spurs kind of took it to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on Wednesday, which was delightful. Um, it was not a great first half from Spurs. Tell me if you've heard that before. Uh, goalless at the half, but Spurs came out in the second half and just poured it on. Two Harry Kane goals within the first uh, 10 minutes or so, and then Matt Doherty and Hyungman's son add two more later. Um, this was, aside from like maybe the 20 minutes before halftime, this was probably the most comprehensive or one of the most comprehensive games for Spurs this season in a 4-0? Any disagreements there from anyone? Yeah, that's, you can't be comprehensive when you're shit for the first half. Like, Well, I don't think they were shit for the entire first half, though. I think for the first 25, 30 minutes, they were pretty good, and then the final 15, 20, things slowed up. And, you know, I think even though we were not offering much in the way of attack in that you know, final 25 minutes or so of the first half, we at least looked way better defensively than we have um, in large yes. portions of the season. And That's true. That's Hugo, true. thank God, had his act together. Yeah, Hugo had a great game. Well, yeah, yeah. But take a moment because we, we are all going to have multiple moments and have had them throughout the season where we dig out Hugo Lloris for declining and aging and all of the things that he's yeah, doing yeah. right now. But yeah, take a moment yeah. and, and, and recognize that those are the games you get from Hugo Lloris sometimes as well. Um, had a really, really well, good performance. I got to say here, Scott, and I, and I love to hear your perspective on this. It, this is kind of what you can expect from a keeper at this stage of their career, right? They're going to show you the flashes of the brilliance as to why they're still there, but they're also going to let you know very, very clearly on numerous occasions throughout the season that they're not the long-term answer. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. And it's nuanced with Hugo because he's, you know, so, so decorated for France. And anytime you're, you're the keeper and the captain of who's probably the best international squad in the world, you know, that, that plays into account. And I think probably extends. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But extends your, uh, your career. So correct. It is t- technically the second best squad in the world right now, according to the, the world cup results, but 
But no, and I, he's also uh, been our I captain for goes, a decade, right? Totally, which extends everything and gives him some equity too. But I think you know Hugo. Hugo is definitely at that point where we don't know what we're going to get from him. It could be great. It could be not as great. I think that's something that we're going to continue to pay attention to as a club. But ultimately, I think the biggest thing that I saw out of Palace and a little bit today, it's hard to say today if if this is true or not because of, of the type of match that it was. But against Palace, I saw us playing very just free flowing, relaxed soccer. And I think I haven't really seen it a ton. And I think when, you know, when you have a guy like Conte who is so demanding and expects precision and everything that's happening on the field, you probably start to overthink what you do when you have the ball, right? There's a couple of different ideas in your head, your, your manager, what feels natural, blah, blah, blah. And as someone who's played midfield myself, when you're in your own head, it's a very tough place to play, right? It's very hard to play in a system when you're in your own head. And part of, you know, you I've you heard from Conte teams before, players that have played for him say, I do get a little confused. Uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, right? But the confusion sets in in a Conte system, right? Because so much is expected. And I just kind of wonder at Palace if, if the instructions were to just go play <laughs> rather than be so focused on what was actually happening, right? And I do think Conte would be wise right now to tell the team to just go play. And I think that's probably what happened against Palace because Kane was a lot deeper than than we've seen him at all under Conte. He was coming back, receiving the ball, and looking for for Son and Brian. Brian was definitely given a leash to go and play play technical football, right, and and get creative and and get fancy at times. Um, and uh, and the wingbacks, I think, just looked a little less uh, strenuous. So I'd be curious to see, you know, if that's the uh the idea going forward i think arsenal will tell us a ton right how we look against them but but back to palace i do think that what we saw against palace was just a leash to go and play soccer which i think we needed right now see i thought the palace match was actually um an example of scott the thing that you said when we first hired conte is that the wingbacks are going to have to drive the engine and matt doherty and and, and ivan perisic both drove the doherty engine was great the- it was not the midfield of of Hoybier and Skip, even though both, you know, I thought Hoybier was very good. Skip was subbed off after 66 minutes, and and you know, we, we we've talked about Skip. I don't want to I don't want to harp on Skip's struggles because, I, like I said, I think he's still coming back from some injuries. Sar came on in that match for Skip and, and looked looked okay, but I think it really it exemplified this wing back to front line connection that you talk about. And every member of that five-player group, the front three and the two wingbacks, contributed to a goal. Darty had a goal, Heel had an assist, Kane with two goals, Son a goal, and Perisic with an assist. And don't worry, I'm not brushing over that Sun goal. We'll talk about it. But like those five players all contributing to the four goals that were scored in this match, I think just exemplifies what a Conte system. You're saying it, they just had to go play soccer. Well, that's what they were able to do because of the system to me in this match. It just looked oh. so free flowing and, and beautiful, especially once yeah. things kicked on in that second half. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think that, that the Doherty performance specifically was exceptional. That first goal was a Conte goal wing back to wing back to Kane. Yeah. I mean, that's yep. the way that that's the way that it's set up. So, uh, but. I, we cannot, we cannot brush over the fact, Andrew, that, uh, that finish from Matty Doherty was beautiful with the left foot. It was brilliant. And what did I say the second it, 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 it was hit in our group chat. Emerson doesn't make that. He doesn't. (laughs) 
I, I, and like I said, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm not trying to dig out on Emerson more than I have in the set. Like facts, I said, facts. the seventy, the seventy-five prior podcasts that I've said this, but Emerson doesn't hit that ball with his left the way that that, that Matt Doherty was able to, and it was really great. And I it it made me so happy to have been on uh, on Matt Doherty's street for as long as I have because I still think that guy can come come really good i'm not saying he's gonna be here for another five six years and produce those kinds of results because he's he's not that young and he's got injury history obviously with what happened last year and this and that but i think he can be a really good wing back for this club going forward yeah. at least in, in the near yeah. future dude if he's matt doherty's our backup right wing back we're in a really good place because that means we've signed somebody pretty talented right so i'd, I'd love <laughs> wait for a that second scott i just goal. hold on I just I just praise Matt Doherty and you're like yeah I really want him to be our backup and I get what you're saying but you're saying no, yeah if you're, I really we're would talking love Matt like, Doherty to be a backup his, wing back I'm talking about him the dude playing I, what he did I, I on the field. no but my point is that like he he serves a purpose and he's a good player and I think we very much want him playing second fiddle to somebody who's a very talented wing back right and I think in that place that if if we get to that point, Portal. we are in a very we are in a very good place as a club if, if, if we get to a point where Matt Doherty's backing somebody up. Um, yeah, but he was phenomenal against Palace, and I think he might be one of the better examples I've seen of Conte getting his hands on somebody and really getting them getting them, uh, you know, churning. And, and he was good at Wolves, for sure. I think he's one of those guys who's a true wingback, right? Really, really a true wingback, but what Conte yeah. has done with him is – is just short of what he did with Juan Cuadrado, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think Doherty's been been sensational. And like I said, when he's in a system like this where he's not expected to be the superstar and, and can be a supplemental piece to Perisic on the other side and and, and good attacking players like Kane and Son and, and Brian chipping in what he did as well, because Brian was not only good against Portsmouth, he was very good against Palace as well. For the 77 minutes that he was on the pitch um i just thought that was really good do want to note too harvey white made his full premier league debut in this game that was really cool to see but i want to talk a little bit more about Hyungman's son too guys because that goal it felt like was a long time coming it felt like it was really needed and this i thought was Hyungman's son's best overall performance of really of the season i know we we all will point to the lester game where he scored the hat trick but this was only, I think, the third game that that Premier League game that Sonny has scored in the season. Maybe fourth. I can't. I can't remember offhand. You know, he's got he's got those three goals in the third one game, game total. Third, third game total. So yeah, I just Caroline, this was needed from Sonny, right? I mean, really, really necessary. I feel like it was, and I I don't think I feel right calling it a complete performance because I think he didn't really come alive until the second half. Um, but you know, we, I think we just saw him starting to get into more of the positions where he's been successful in the past. And part of that was like you said, with Kane dropping a little bit deeper and facilitating him, you know, that's been a very successful combination for them over the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I saw the stat that they set a new record for most goals for a duo, both scoring in a, in a game in the Premier League. So I don't that know. It makes me happy me. to see them back in the record breaking mode <laughs> together. 
Um, but yeah, like he, he needed this goal and that he was so close to having that assist for Doherty's goal. So I think he's going to be feeling a lot more confident heading, especially going well, into the Arsenal game where we know he's going to be motivated and hopefully we'll see more. Absolutely. He, he also came out and he talked about, cause you know, he had that chance earlier in the match before he scored where he seemingly lost the ball at his feet on a breakaway and he came out after the match and he said, you know, this mask is really messing with me because a lot of the time I can't see the ball. And he made reference to that very play. So I think you're right, Caroline. I think the confidence factor is going to be massive with him because I feel like if even the slightest kind of off touch, the, the mask is definitely throwing him and we can see it. Um, the one thing that I wanted to, to touch on here is this is the first game that he has started in the league this year in which he has scored. And that's, that's incredible to say, given how many games he's actually wow. started. I didn't even think year. about that, but that's true. Yeah. So you're looking at that going, well, wow, when your left wing back, or I'm sorry, when your left winger takes this many games in your Premier League season to start and score, that probably is a big part of the reason why we're wondering where some goals are coming from in some of these matches, to be fair. Oh, by the way, didn't that guy win a golden boot last year? Just saying. So... As we progress throughout this season, Scotty, I think that we're going to see a little bit more of young men's son in, in, in a form in which we are more familiar and recognize him, is him looking like. Yeah, but interestingly enough, I do think that in a way the golden boot kind of plays into how stale things feel because son definitely had spurts of hot and cold leading up to the two seasons, you know, prior to him winning the golden boot and then winning the golden boot. And he would always go – he would always – Go quiet. We talk about the fact that Sun really didn't perform as well against lower league, lower table opponents that were going to sit back, right? He was more effective against those teams that would get forward, blah, blah, blah. Way more effective when Kane wasn't playing, which is accurate for sure, um, as far as his goal scoring contributions until this whole partnership really took off. So it's all nuanced, but I do think that some of why it feels so stale is because of what he did last season. But like Sun going hot and cold is not a new thing at all. No, but I don't know that we've seen a cold streak like we've seen from him this season. Like this is a lengthier one. It's been a while. It was a, a freezing while. streak. Yeah, this yeah. is a, this very, is a much lengthier one. And I think there's I think there's questions to be had. Not, and I don't want to have them now because I don't think they're immediate future questions. But there are long term future questions about Hyungmin's son now that he's on the other side of thirty, and. I'm not saying there's I'm not saying push him out the door. I'm not saying you got to sell him because I don't think there's I think his resale value is even gone. But like, I just think that son is a player that is going to be he's going to be what he's going to be. No, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not jumping at any big conclusions. I'm I worry about son ever living up to what he did last season. And I worry about the expectation of that, I guess, more than anything from from the outside. I think internally within kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, within Spurs, I think everyone knows and and respects what Son has done and what what he will continue to do. I think outside of Spurs, there's there's going to be a lot of shit that we have to kind of filter out of our ears that people will say about Son in the coming years because he's never gonna he's never gonna do what he did last year again. But you know, he's always been underappreciated outside of yes, yeah. Tottenham fan base. You know, yeah. how, how many times I think last it just year when he won the Golden mean, Boot right, in the lead up to that, did we hear pundits saying, you know, he's th- this is who he is. It's just that he doesn't always get the shine because Kane is so yeah. freaking consistent. 
you know, which we can talk about that too. Yeah. And, I, well, and we know, need even to. as You're myself right. being a huge, a huge fan of Sun, even I recognized last season that was that was the pinnacle probably of his individual career. And I, I you know, the, the reasons we love him are sometimes for a lot of intangibles, like his commitment to the club and you know, I, well, I don't think that's his accomplishment Caroline. at all. Oh yeah. yeah and like, like he has he has those individual moments thing. that make you remember why you love the sport. <laughs> so I, I think he has son. a ton and of value. Yeah, it's what you want out of a left winger, yeah. right? Those moments of brilliance that you can only say, oh, my God, there's only a handful of people in the world that can do that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think it's all fair. I think it's all very fair. Um, you, you did bring up Harry Kane. We do need to talk a little bit more about him because with the two goals against Palace and then the one against Portsmouth, he's now one from Jimmy Greaves, one goal away from tying Jimmy Greaves' uh, club record. And it is kind of fitting. I think and cool that the next match is the North London Derby. I think there's a great opportunity for a little bit of storybook there, but just a moment of appreciation for uh, Harry Kane on the precipice of this mark and Harry Kane and what he's done and what will he will continue to do. And um, I, I don't even really want to talk so much about the the future question marks surrounding Harry Kane and 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 his links to Conte and this and that. I just want to take a second and 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 appreciate Harry Kane for what he is. Uh, the match today is it's the perfect example of the Portsmouth game where he's the guy that comes through with this goal that is needed in, in a game where Spurs were probably not at their best, but didn't, re- didn't really feel like a struggle, but he's the guy that comes through with that goal to send the, send the club through to the fourth round of the FA cup. He's just always been the guy. He's the guy for this club. And, um, it's been, it's been like a decade now. I think, I think it's actually now, I think I heard the other day, he's now scored a goal for Spurs in 11 consecutive calendar years, which is just insane to think about. That uh, is wild. It, Harry, Harry Kane. What else? He's also, say? well, yeah, I want to take a minute to, you know, a moment of reverence here for Harry Kane. A few, few points that we want to cover. First off his 265th goal came today, January 7th, exactly 70 years to the day that Jimmy Greaves scored his 265th goal for the club, so which is pretty darn cool. Uh, he got 266 on January 10th. Harry's going to have to wait until the sc- we play the scum on the 15th. Uh, but, yes, the, the storybook ending there, the, the, a little bit of, of – uh, God, I hope we get Peter Drury for that call. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we're not going to recognize how amazing he is until he's gone. Harry Kane is Mike Schmidt. For those American listeners uh, who appreciate some some baseball, Mike Schmidt, old school third Hall of Fame third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies, is a guy who's just a, a monicum of consistency. Didn't ever was never flashy, was never flashy, but was always 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 precise in a way that you just made you shake your head. Speaking of precise in a way that made you shake your head, Harry Kane's second goal against Crystal Palace is one of the finest pieces of individual striker play that we've seen all season long. The touch required to take that rocket of a pass from Brian and keep it into his pass so that he could finish second touch across the face of the goal was, in my opinion, a quintessential Harry Kane finish. They wanted to talk about how little classic Kane on the goal today at the top of the box, which was a nice one, but looked more like a sun goal than a Kane goal. 
for me, it's that across the face of the goal, buried it far post in the only the, the only place that you could put it that is the quintessential Harry Kane finish. And we got to see that on full display against Palace. I I would be remiss if I didn't let the, the if I if I was going to let the Mike Schmidt uh, comp go by and say, for me, he's more like Brooks Robinson just because I'm a Baltimore guy rather than a Philly guy. But but I hear you. Oh, I do like I do like all right. that. It's, it's it's a solid comparison. Come on, uh, and I give you the Brooks. I give you the Brooks Robinson one too. He was solid too. A defensive third baseman and guys a stud. I like Mike Schmick's bat better. You know, I made a comparison because Harry Kane no, is offensively I, I, the man. I'm obviously Fine. kidding with you, but 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 even more so than the even more so than the goal you're talking about, the fact that he was the one to assist on Sun's goal. Um, with the, the 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 pass over the top, the creativity out of the guy too. He's not just a a. a uh, a pure goal scorer, even though he is a pure goal scorer, he's a pure playmaker. He's a he's a creative uh, footballer. He's just a all around badass footballer, and yeah. he's he's shown that for for more than a decade now uh, with this club. And I think it's it's really cool that he's on on the precipice of this mark. That I really do hope the the you know the stars are aligning here for for something magical for not hopefully him not only to 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 tie the mark next week but for him to break the mark because that would mean he's scoring at least two and that would go a long way to well, helping uh spurs looking up at arsenal yeah it lines up for a harry kane penalty and then a, a goal in open play against the scum i mean granted jacket is likely starting for for that nasty bunch so there's a pretty decent chance he's probably going to give one away it does line up nicely and it would be really cool for that to happen um do want to look a, a little bit ahead to arsenal but before we do that uh really really big news on the women's side with the with the women's team this week caroline uh they signed beth england which we had i think heard rumors about uh, a few weeks ago but it actually happened this week a really really big january signing for this club right Absolutely huge. And the only sad part to it is that it didn't happen in the summer when she could have had an even bigger impact on our season. Um, Cause goodness knows we have needed a consistent goal scorer. Uh, we, we just don't have one because our, our current options are, you know, a very young striker in Karczewska and Ellie Brazil, who is now, you know, out for the rest of the season. So yes, much needed. Very excited to have her come in the side. And I think it shows, you know, some encouraging intent and ambition from the club that they were willing to pay, you know, a, a record fee for, for a player coming from one WSL side to another. Uh, you know, hopefully that's a sign of more investment to come. Although we have heard some, some rumors that transfer activity for our women's team is quiet after this signing. So, yeah, yeah, it does kind of feel almost like it could be a one and done. But uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I did want to ask you, too, regarding this, because uh, Spurs women are not back until next weekend. But I, I, I kind of I guess from a, from a larger perspective, Spurs Spurs women right now sit eighth out of the 12 teams in the WSL on nine points through nine games. It has not been a great start to the season. Not quite halfway there, but 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 approaching the halfway point of the of the year. Does this change the outlook for this season at all? Or is this more going into next season? This could perhaps change the outlook because I feel like for this season, if you're going to push ahead toward the 
you know, that upper echelon that we've talked about for a while, it feels like maybe too little too late. Like you said, this, this signing would have been way better in the summer. Instead it's coming in January where, you know, that Chelsea arsenal and then the Manchester clubs class has kind of jumped ahead too far almost to even consider being in that realm. Does that feel about right? It does. You know, I think we can make up a little bit of ground in the table as far as like the quote best of the rest class is concerned. Right. But any hope we had of trying to sneak into that third champions league spot is gone already. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame because United are a team that came up at the exact same season that we did um, because of a fluke with one of the championship clubs going into administration. Um, But anyway, uh, they they have really been serious about investing in their team and also their academy, to be fair. You know, they've had some some talented youth players come through that have made the difference for them as well. But this this is why we're always, you know, asking the club to be more ambitious with the women's team because we saw at the first half of the season how easy it is to fall behind if you're not keeping up. And a lot of the other teams that are in the middle of the table such as our next opponent, Aston Villa, you can see that they have a really clear strategy. They brought in some key players. Um, you know, they just got Jordan Nobbs from Arsenal, who was kind of in a similar situation to Beth England. So in a way, you know, ahead of the, our next game, both sides have strengthened. So it's kind of like things have, uh, we've, we've maintained oh. the status quo with that matchup. And unfortunately, I think they might still have a slight edge because, they brought in Rachel Daly at the beginning of the season and she has had a phenomenal season so far. So. Yeah, that transitions well into a question I had for you, Caroline, is I look at, you know, us signing Beth England and, and you know, that like one of my big focuses this year is like more of an effort to, 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 to really focus and, and follow the women's team and signing Beth England is so exciting in the sense that we've, you know, essentially smashed the transfer record between two English clubs from my understanding. Now, my question is, is it, is it super positive or is there any, any truth to the idea that I'll say this, you look at the men's club, right. And the fact that we've overspent on, on, on people that probably weren't as talented trying to spend. Right. Is there any fear that we've done the same thing with somebody who wasn't getting minutes or was this just a weird scenario that was perfect timing for us to invest in somebody who is the real deal? Yeah, my personal perspective is that I don't think there's a big risk of that happening with Beth England. I think she's a player who really is as talented as we believe. And the reason she was not getting minutes in the Chelsea side is because she had literal world-class competition in Sam Kerr. And Fran mm-hmm. Kirby, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, the truth is that Chelsea and Arsenal both have stockpiled so much talent. And it looks like we're getting to the point where those players who have been, you know, giving them such a high quality bench, they're fed up with not getting the minutes. So like Beth England, Jordan Nobbs, they're, they're wanting to move to other clubs to get a better opportunity to be the star player in their own right that they should be. Um, at a club that really could use their their services. So I think this move, you know, with Beth England and Nobbs as well, they've been welcomed by other clubs in the league who are, you know, also in that mid-table position that we are because it seems like some of the monopoly that these, you know, top two clubs have had over, 
you know, the top talent in, in, the, in the country and also coming in from across Europe. Um, maybe that's starting to change. So I think it's a positive. Well, that's great. Well. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think like my hope is that us, us being willing to break the record like that is, is, is a sign that we we're learning as a club from our past mistakes. Right. Um, and not investing in talent that we shouldn't be investing in. Right. Um, I think the, the women's team has a wonderful opportunity to build from somewhere different. Right. And I'm not saying they're a new team. I know they're not right. But I think I'll say two things, obviously new to the women's super league, but also I think have gained a lot of traction from a popularity perspective over the past nine to 12 months, right. For whatever reason. And it's a fantastic thing. And I really hope the club sees that and pays attention to that and operates in a way that is uh, evident that they've learned from their mistakes with the men's team in the transfer market, because things need to be done differently in my opinion. And I, I think when I saw us sign Beth England and break the record, I was ecstatic, right? Like Tottenham has gone and broken a transfer record um, out of nowhere, seemingly too. Right. So super great yeah. to hear. Well, last one I want to touch on with you, Caroline, on this is how how important is that short term in this final, you know, half of this this season now? How important is it to jump back into that best of the rest category? Or is the way that the first half of the season, the way that that's gone, is that just kind of where we are resigned to now as mid-table, seventh, eighth place? Or is fifth and being like right right behind that, that upper class of, of the WSL, is that super important for the rest of this season to kick on into the next season? Or is it, is it just kind of whatever at this point? No, I I do think it's important because it, it signals an intent from the club to, to show player other prospective players who we might want to sign next season, that we are still on the right path. Um, That last season was not entirely a fluke. You know, I think there was somewhat of an element of luck to it because if if you look at who our best player is, Ash Neville, this is someone who's come up, you know, from the lower division and been able to make that leap, which is not easy to do um, and to be our star player. But I think it also shows that we are aware of what our our weaknesses are and we're taking steps to address that with our recruitment. Because, you know, I think it's been clear to everyone that we needed a more consistent goal scorer and the fact that we're actually going out and doing it and not, you know, splashing out on a player who doesn't address a major need for us. That's also important. Yeah, it certainly has been the need for for Spurs this season. Only 11 goals in the nine games uh, in the WSL this season. That is not going to get it done. You got to score more than that, especially when you consider that Chelsea lead the league with 31 goals in 10 games. That is a massive, massive difference. Uh, As I mentioned, Spurs women are back in action next Saturday against Villa. Um, That is the return to WSL play, which um, comes a day before this Tottenham Arsenal North London Derby on the men's side, which I don't know how to feel about. I'm, 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 I feel kind of, I guess, more confident than I was a week ago. Yeah, that's fair. I'm definitely more confident than I was a week ago, but always kind of just that get me through this without wanting to vomit everywhere kind of feeling that I always have before a North London Derby. Um, any, any, anyone have any different uh, opinions on on this nope. game next week? Nope. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's it's basically don't vomit and uh, hope for the best, right? I mean, it would be really, really important 
to get three points at home against a, a rival like this, especially a club that is fucking leading the whole thing right now and and looking really good doing it. Um, it's 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 something that I don't think we all want to come to grips with, but it is something that like give it another couple of weeks and we're really going to have to start talking about it. Yeah, no, it no, did. no, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's interesting though because it's kind of like flipped from where we were in the early pot years where we were we were a team who wasn't as talented but was really playing playing as a unit and playing under a leadership that was well respected from top to bottom right and um and and they were more talented with alexa sanchez and 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 Giroud and and the names that could, we could go on and on with right they were a good side but we were Fucking we were taking Ozil. it to them yeah Ozo, right so i think i think it's flipped now I think we're more talented, but they're much more a, a, a unit, right? Under the under the same lock steps. So I, that's I, a really good. I think that's an astute observation, Scott. So, well, and my point is, thanks. My point is, is that it's a derby, and I think that maybe favors us, right? I think that the the, the derby can favor the talent more than the cohesive unit, right? So I don't know. I mean, do I think we're gonna win? No, it's hard to say that right now. But I'm not like super nervous either. Um, we'll see. I think it depends on who we have available as well, Andrew. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I mean, there is question still about Kulisevsky, Bentoncourt. Um, there's another name in there that I'm – oh, I guess Basuma now as well. Um, not that he would, I don't think, start in a 3-4-3. I think you would have – Richarlison even. Richarlison perhaps even. I think you would still have Bentoncourt, Hoybier as your as your two midfielders uh, if both are available. Um, but, yeah, there is a lot of question about who's available, and luckily – Spurs get eight days before the, the next match. Arsenal play Monday. They are the final game on Monday afternoon of the FA Cup round. The draw is after that match. So they will have six days while we have eight. Not a not a huge deal, but it is interesting that it works out in that way that, you know, for once we're maybe getting a slight edge for whatever edge there could be. But um I, yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it, it is it is a little hard this far out to make predictions, but I just know um i'm gonna try to not vomit like that's always that's always the the case when it comes to a north london derby um and honestly it's come that that's always the case with with a chelsea match as well um i feel like it's always just don't vomit uh over myself and hope the club doesn't vomit over themselves as well um i feel like i've said the word vomit way too much in the last uh, handful of minutes so i think it's a good place to to kind of wrap it uh, we will be back with you next weekend after that match and after the women's match against Villa. Did you to recap it all? Go ahead, Todd. Did you want to touch on some of the Twitter questions we had, Andrew? Well, we 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 did talk a lot about um, we talked a lot about Jed Spence, which is which which was the big one. I think the only other one that we got uh, was talking about uh, Dustin Deeth asked about the medical staff, and yeah. Shout out to our guy, Paul, for the question on uh, on Jed Spence, by the way. And when it comes to the medical staff, I, I mean, I've I've long said that, I, I mean, what's his name? Scott, that's been there for, for as many years as he has. I mean, literally since 2004. And I, I mean, we've been woeful as a medical staff and as the record of our players' health by all accounts for two decades. Like, I don't know how this hasn't changed yet, Andrew. I always find conversations about medical staff to be interesting and, and difficult to have. I feel like we we see it with certain clubs where injury history seems to be a, a questionable thing. 
um, not just in in the Premier League or in or in football in general, but even in other sports, we see. And and it's hard to tell what of it is, is, is does is it a training staff is it luck is it or bad luck for that matter is it freak injuries that just tend to happen is it is there some kind of karmic or cosmic influence I don't know I don't um, know but it's it's hard I, to comment really because we don't this is an aspect of the club that we really just have no true insight into I think right. the only the only one where we can really feel kind of hard done by with the medical staff is the skip injury because it sounds like they genuinely mismanaged that and made it worse than it needed no, to be. No, in the bail injuries and Harry Kane it's ankles. literally been terrible. Dude, yes, Harry Kane went out and terrible. spent money on his own specialist, right? So, And, and then he's been fine ever since then. So it, it, the interesting thing for me is like we look at the underperforming medical staff. We look at the underperforming mentality on the field that we've seen from the club over the years. We look at the poor transfer activity over the years. We look at the way we treated Poch at the end of his tenure. All of these things that are like intangible and we've talked about for years on the show, they have to come from like a common denominator. There has to be one common factor and that's what I think the only conversation that we can ever have about these intangibles, it's always going to roll up to ownership and leadership of the club. Right. So if we want to like have a tangible so, conversation about, we don't want to go there today these, though. We, I don't, I yeah, don't. So, so I'm just saying the, this is the levy out conversation. Is that what we're getting to? God, it's too. I can, I can assure you that we are not. It only goes there. But my point is, is these intangible conversations are just like, I totally respect the question, but like, it only leads to one thing, and I'm just like not trying to have that conversation. So I I think in 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 many scenarios yeah. it is okay to say I don't know. Um, yes, I think that's really important. I I think we've said that a lot over the course of this podcast. Um, in in terms of a n- number of situations that I'm not comparing to this one, it's okay to say I don't know. Is is always. And I just don't know with the injury stuff. I don't. I wish I had more answers. It is frustrating sometimes when it seems like we are very, very hard done by when, with injuries. But I don't know. I just don't freaking know. Um, I don't. I don't know. And 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 the same honestly goes for the transfer uh, window. I don't know. Uh, I've said numerous times. January is open. It is January. Windows open. Let's let's see what comes of it. But I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. It seems like they've got decent depth right now in places. I mean, we're talking about inj- all these injuries and look what they've done. You know, in these last two games that we spent this episode talking about, they they won both of them fairly convincingly. I know you know a one nil over Portsmouth doesn't feel convincing, but I don't think Portsmouth ever had any real sniff at goal and, or, or any real chance in that match. It felt in control the whole way. Um, I just don't know. Like right now with the depth in this team and you'd like to add through the window, I just continue Pedro's to say, coming, dude. I don't know. Pedro's coming. We will see. We will see what happens. Uh, we'll be back with you next weekend to talk about it though. I do know that that is the one thing I know. I don't know a lot of other things. I do know we will be back with you next weekend to talk Tottenham, to talk, maybe some transfer dealings. Um, we will not be talking about Levy out though, because there's no reason to, to talk about that. That is um, something that we're just going to leave on the table for sure. But North London Derby, it is don't vomit week. 
enjoy that. Enjoy the buildup. I'm sure it will be uh, logical and everyone will keep their head calmly throughout the week on the internet. And uh, I'm looking forward to all of that from you as well. Uh, until next weekend, when we do that, remember, Todd is at. Remember, every gunner is a runner, Andrew. Remember, yes, that is true. Every gunner is a runner. That is a that is a valid. Uh, you know, speaking of things I know, that is one thing that I know. Todd can be found on the internet at TC underscore show. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Caroline is at CG Stefko. I am at A Stenke. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. And listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Spread the word. We're trying to grow this thing. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on the socials. Leave us a rating and review. And keep an eye out because uh, there's going to be a lot more content coming here in the next few months. A lot of big plans for the Depot, Depot meetups, all that stuff. Uh, We will be getting that info out to you all very, very shortly once plans are finalized. So keep your ears and eyes peeled. Until next weekend, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always come on you spurs thank you so much for stopping by the tottenham depot thanks to scott bird for our intro music as well as the tunes you are hearing right now thanks to dakota booth for our artwork thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do and thanks to you the listener what really makes this happen supporters make this club and you the listener are what make this podcast possible Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs.